Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here. No Gavin today, but I have a fantastic guest for you guys. I'm going to be talking to Rafael Barlow, one of my favorite guests from the last month or so in this draft cycle. Had to bring him back. He just recently mocked Mark Williams to the Knicks, center out of Duke. So I'm going to talk to him about Williams, about Jalen Duren, about the value proposition of drafting a center this early in the draft. Also talk about some other options that could be there for the Knicks at pick 11 or potentially with their second round pick. So lots of great discussions coming up next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. All right, welcome in to Locked on Knicks. I want to remind you guys, today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked on sent you. I also want to thank you guys for making Locked on Knicks your first listen today. And every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or if you're on YouTube where you can see our smiling faces every day, uh, we really appreciate you guys uh, always coming by and, and making us part of your day. I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And as I mentioned in the intro, not joined by Gavin today, but joined by Rafael Barlow, who you might know from his appearance here, I guess about a month ago now. Uh, he's at Barlow 500 on Twitter. You might know him from the NBA Big Board podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, or you might know him from the NBA Big Board newsletter. So lots of great stuff he's working on. One of the hardest working guys in the draft space. I'm not going to hold us up any further. Let's get into this big man discussion, starting with some Mark Williams talk. All right, as promised, I am joined by Rafael Barlow, rejoined uh, after a, a great show last time. I just had to bring Rafael back. You might know him as at Barlow500 on Twitter. He hosts the NBA Big Board podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, as well as writing the NBA Big Board newsletter. Uh, Rafael, how you doing? Uh, you, I want to honestly get right into it, but first, like, how was the combine and everything? Uh, you know, did you learn anything new? I know one of your favorite prospects, unfortunately, just pulled out of the draft in Traquavion yeah. Smith. Uh, but how, how you doing uh, after the combine and everything? I'm doing good, man. That was a great experience for me. It was my first time going to the combine, and it's um, it's pretty cool. I mean, every general manager, head scout, and actually, this is kind of funny, is I sat for all the scrimmages like near like the entire Knicks whole staff. So. Um, Let's see, like a couple of their scouts. Tibbs was behind me. Just their whole, all the big dogs. And I was sitting maybe two or three seats by them. And so they all sat together. You know, a lot of teams were just kind of people sitting with their friends. But the Knicks entire staff was, was pretty much by each other. So that was, that was pretty cool. I got to ask you, you hear any juicy gossip from the Knicks staff while you were there? No, I, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> so, I mean, it got to the point where, you know, there, there's a part of me that still feels like 
there's a fan aspect to me, right? There's a fan aspect of I am here with these guys that I, you know, have, you know, I've been reading about and they're sitting right here. So, of course, I'm trying to, like, look and see, like, all right, when this guy's playing, they're not talking to each other. Everybody's paying attention. And Mm -hmm. so, um, no, I didn't really see anything that I could tip off and say, okay, the Knicks really like this guy at this particular spot. But overall, it was cool. I had a chance to talk to Tim Hardaway for about – 10 to 15 minutes. There's a, a couple other scouts that, that I talked to. And, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the combine was really, really cool. I mean, you just see all the players walking up and down, like in, in the hotel lobby, but you see all the teams. And then it was the day of the lottery. So everybody's just kind of walking around the hotel that was connected to the arena. The next thing you know, you just start seeing everybody in suits. Like Chet comes by in a suit, Van Carroll walks by in a the suit. Then you start seeing like, you know, uh, David Robinson is like, oh, okay, well, they had the actual, the actual lottery at, uh, you know, it was in another part of, of the hotel. So that was pretty cool. But other than that, I'm done traveling, I think, for now. I've spent the last, like, since I got back to the States probably like six weeks ago, I've been on the road going to different workouts or, and uh, just, you know, meeting up with different uh, agencies and trainers and seeing guys doing their pre-draft stuff. So now it's, it feels good to just kind of settle in and, and be home. Yeah, it's a real shame the Knicks couldn't have just loudly proclaimed, you know, we're going to take this guy while you're sitting right behind them. But it is what it is. <laughs> I guess I guess not everything could be so easy. <laughs> well, you know, but, it's kind of weird about it, not to cut mm-hmm. you off, is that oh, so on one hand, um, there's a couple of guys that I've – on the staff that I have met and I've talked to that I'm cool. On the other hand, there's still a feel of, we don't know him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we know he took over for chat, but is he a reporter or is he a scout? And so, you know, there's always going to be times where people feel like, well, we can't say what we want to say because mm-hmm. we don't want it to turn into a tweet. Yeah, <laughs> and so of course. Usually, like the guys that I have talked to, of course, you know, it's always anonymous, but you know, like there is a trust thing because let's say I overheard tips and we love that's the guy, that's our guy right there. And of course, if I tweet it out, it goes viral and I become mm-hmm. a star overnight in a sense to the Knicks fan base. But, but then but, a pariah uh, to the Knicks uh, <laughs> staff there. <laughs> exactly. And I and I do think like because I'm not a reporter. But I do think guys have dealt with reporters before and, you know, usually reporters have some intel where they can either make a name for themselves and, you know, kind of make everybody else, you know, lose their credibility. So um, I'm new. So I, I may not get all the, the quotes or, you know, they may be a little quiet around me until they feel like they can trust me. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they'll get there eventually. But in the meantime, while we're speculating – uh, in your latest big board newsletter, you had the Knicks taking Mark Williams, which I thought was interesting. It was very polarizing among Knicks fans. Definitely. I've had a lot, of, yeah. I've had a lot of uh, private discussions now about like the the value proposition of taking a center at that pick and all that stuff, which we'll get to in a minute. But I wanted to to read off your uh, your quote that you had had in here, uh, which you tweeted out, which was. If you can get Mark Williams and Jalen Duran in a workout together, I think Mark Williams would get the best of him, but I doubt they'll work out together. I find that to be interesting. I mean, Williams, obviously the the more polished player, uh, thanks to having an extra year of playtime at Duke. But I'm hearing, I mean, I don't have his measurements in front of me, but he, I believe he measured very well 
nine nine standing reach yeah i mean he's he's huge he's just an enormous dude that operates with a lot of a lot of size seems to have a good amount of finesse to his game i mean i was very impressed with him in the ncaa tournament like don't get me wrong but i I wonder a little bit about taking him there i mean what's your if you were going to make the elevator pitch for this pick to to knicks fans to say no you know what like this is a good idea and you mentioned of course you know this is like with the idea that Mitchell Robinson might be gone in free agency. Um, I know we floated on our show and we're actually, this is sort of perfect timing. This is going to be our, our uh, draft primer on bigs because we've been doing positional previews of all, you know, the various positions for the offseason, how the Knicks can address certain needs, stuff like that. Um, you know, they could go after a less expensive free agent or something and get a JaVale McGee type and just roll with that. And that seems to work for a lot of teams, but you know, what would be your case for investing in a guy like Williams in the draft, uh, you know, with his skill set and everything else, if you were looking to replace Mitch that way? Yeah, well, one, I think that you save money because let's say, I mean, the numbers I floated out were, let's say Mitch wants a three-year, $45 million deal, $15 million a year. On one hand, you know, in the old NBA, that sounds expensive. I think a lot of people think you know, it's the old NBA where 17 million and 20 million was a max contract. Mm-hmm. And so I threw out 15 million a year, short, not a long deal. And um, Knicks fans are kind of tough. So some people just thought it was just the stupidest contract ever, didn't think that he was worth 15 million. And the way I broke it down was all right, if DeAndre Ayton is going to get a max this summer, it will, if it's even a max from another team, that's like 32 million. If Mitchell Robinson is half of DeAndre Ayton, that puts him at around 16, 15 and a half, 15 million, right? But if you're the Knicks and you do not feel like he's worth that money, then you can go get Mark Williams, who I think has a higher upside, who's younger, and you can get him a lot cheaper. And um, I think on one hand, it may make sense because, you know, you, you get your rim protector, you get your vertical lap threat. I think that... I don't know if he's as naturally gifted and as talented as Mitchell Robinson, but I think he's steadier. I think he'll rebound. I think he has a better understanding of his role and who he is. You know, kind of one of the knocks on Mitch is that he wants to do other stuff. You know, I remember like the video <laughs> from a couple of summers. I don't know if he was joking or not, but the ball handling and, and all that. And I think Williams is going to be a solid guy. And I understand like, from the point of view of centers are getting played off the floor and the playoffs and, you know, why would you take a center that high? And I do think there is a dilemma because I think in order to make it to the playoffs, you're going to need a solid center. And that same guy could end up being a, a liability uh, in the playoffs. And then I just think like with the Knicks, unless you want to take like a guard, a point guard that high, I don't know if there's somebody you want to take that high. Um, I think at, at, I don't know if there's a lot of wings, like three and D type wings. So you already have Randall and Toppin at the four. RJ's your guy on the wing. So, I mean, I just think center spot is is a position that that you can have somebody young and that you have at a, at a cheap contract for the next four years. All right, I'll be right back in with Raphael talking about Jalen Duren actually in this next segment. So we're gonna move on from Mark Williams talk about Jalen Duren some and his case to be a potential Knicks pick. But I got to let you guys know, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. All right, NBA fans, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award-winning app, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. 
I love this, and I know you will too. Prize picks is easy to use. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It really is that easy. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. And you can get the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. You also get a variety of options. You can pick any prop you can think of from points scored to rebounds, even steals. It even allows you mixed sport entries. So let's say, I don't know, maybe the Mets and the Yankees are playing on the night of an NBA Finals game. And you want to say, oh, I think Aaron Judge and Pete Alonso are both going to have home runs and, and X number of RBIs tonight because it's a pretty good bet with those two guys balling out like they are. And you want to bet on Steph Curry three-pointers along with that in your entry. You can do all that. It's it's that simple. You just put them all into one entry and you're good to go. So for a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point but you have to use code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to Locked On fans. Sign up today and use code NBA, and you'll get fifty dollars for free if a player in your first prize fix entry scores a single point. I mean, the the stats really do leap off the page with Williams. I mean, if you look at his per forty stats, um, he averaged nineteen points, uh, four point eight blocks, twelve and a half boards. Uh, shot 72% from the field. And I mean, I think this is probably the most, this is, this is probably what I want to talk about right now. Although that block number is crazy. So I, I think, but you already addressed like the rim protections there. That's basically what you're getting with Mitch anyway. So that could just kind of be a one-to-one replacement hopefully, but he shot 72.7% from the free throw line. And that's, you know, for all the, the joking about Mitch's weird workout videos where he's trying handling and pull up threes and all this other junk that he definitely does not do in the NBA and probably never will do in the NBA. I mean, I think Williams displayed, you know, at the free throw line there shooting 73% and then just in games, you know, maybe not a ton, but I think he might have a little bit of a soft touch. Like what's your projection on him as far as being able to even just develop like a mid-ranger eventually or just something other than catching lobs and and finishing right around the hoop. Because I think ultimately if you're talking about trying to spend some draft capital to upgrade Mitch, you know, even outside of just the contract thing, I, I think that that would be the, the differentiator. Like you're not going to find too many better rim protectors than him, but if you can find someone that could roughly replicate Mitch's rim protection, but also has a more diverse offensive skill set, can still do basically all the things Mitch did, plus, you know, give you a soft touch in the mid-range. I, I think that could potentially be really valuable for the Knicks. Yeah, um, but like I said, I think Mitch is more naturally gifted and more naturally talented. I just mm-hmm. think Mark Williams is going to do a better job of just knowing his role, knowing who he is. I do think Mark has some potential to be able to knock down – you know, short corner jumpers, maybe even extend to the elbows. I don't see it happening on his rookie deal. I mean, unless he surprised me. I have seen a couple of plays where I'm like, okay, well, maybe he does have it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think he has more – I think he'll have a more more impact for the Knicks. And, I mean, I think he'll be, you know, he'll be cheaper, probably like a third of the cost. Yeah, yeah, easily. I mean, at the 11th pick, it'll be – even less than that. I think, I think it'll make, I don't know, three, $4 million, something like that. So it should be a pretty affordable contract. Uh, I want to talk about his, his contemporary that of course came up in that quote that I mentioned there in Jalen Duran. 
and he's been intriguing to me too. I mean, there's been throughout the season that I feel like the the general opinion of him kind of went up and down a bit, and that you know it seems like now he's starting to settle in. Maybe like he's gonna go towards the end of the. Uh, the end the back half of the top 10 maybe or maybe even make his way into the you know the the lower lottery range so like 11 to 14 range i think there is a decent chance that depending on what other teams you know prioritize that he could be staring the knicks in the face there at pick 11 and i mean we've talked to a number of different guys like we've had like uh, jonathan wasserman ricky o'donnell like various various dudes on to talk about you know these guys and and i think it was ricky especially that was really high on on Duran as a prospect and was like look like I've got him like number six or so on my board like I still I still buy a lot of that preseason hype I think he's got a lot to offer he's one of the youngest players in the draft he's built Mm -hmm. like a Greek god I mean the guy's just enormous for like an 18 year old um what's your take on him I mean what I, I guess my first question on him before we get into specific skills like how far away do you think he would be from being like a everyday starting NBA player? Or do you think that he's going to be sort of like Mitch where he's going to need that like first season of seasoning where he's going to need to play like 15 to 20 minutes a game, get the fouls under control, learn the pace and the speed and everything of the NBA game? Or do you think he might be able to surprise people and kind of step right in? I honestly think it depends on the team, Mm -hmm. right? If it's the Thunder who – you know, have plenty of time. I mean, they don't have a timeline of where there's at least not to my knowledge. They don't have an immediate timeline, I should say, to make the playoffs. Let's say Houston, same thing. They'll let you play through the mistakes, even though Houston is not going to, you know, take him at number three. But with the Knicks, there's a pressure to win. There is a pressure to make the playoffs. And you do have a coach that likes veterans who, you know, I don't think he's ever going to fully, fully embrace a youth movement. So I think it depends on the team. Um, but I mean, I, I like I like Durant. I think that you know he had he had a lot of hype coming into the season as a guy that could potentially end up being a top three, top four pick, top five pick. I think that Memphis didn't really have the point guard play to really maximize his gifts. And then of course, college basketball, there's not a lot of spacing there. And the the area that I think kind of hurt him a little bit with Memphis was it seemed like at the beginning of the year, even though Duran was projected high, it just seemed like they were trying to appease Imani Bates and trying to turn him into a point guard, which he's not a point guard. And I think trying to, I would say, I guess, maybe keep their word if, if it was a promise to Imani Bates, hey, you're going to be our guy this year, yada, yada, yada. Maybe they were a package deal. I don't know what it what it was that went on behind the scenes, but Memphis obviously got a lot better once Imani Bates went down. But I think that maybe if Durant had a point guard, then maybe he would be back in the top five range. He, most of his points he got off the hustle, offensive rebounds, um, you know, maybe running the floor. But his his age is appealing. He's a couple years younger than Mark Williams. Um, but I think what the in the quote that that you read, I think it was legitimate. You know, if you get him in a workout, two on two, whatever, I think Mark Williams would be more impressive. But because he's a couple years older and has two years of experience, I mean, everybody loves upside and potential more than production. And so I think that um, Durant is going to go ahead of him. Yeah, and you know, I I think I think that's that's an interesting point too. I mean, we've certainly is. Uh... 
as Knicks fans, one of the most famous stories is that Kevin Knox burned Miles Bridges in a workout, and that's why Knox wound up being the pick instead of Miles and Raquel, who both And they were, they reminded me as soon as I posted that tweet, mm-hmm. that is Knicks fans reminded me <laughs> all about that. Everybody's got a long memory, you know, but mm-hmm. I, I think in this case it would be the opposite, right? This is like Williams, you know, beating up on on Dern would sort of be the expected outcome there. Um I have my I, I have my my reservations about taking a guy like Dern, but I also have I, like I sort of feel like if I'm the Knicks and he gets there at eleven, and I mean it all depends on what their plan is going forward, right? And maybe this would dictate if they have both those guys sitting there, they've already said we're we're moving off of Mitch, we're not gonna re-sign him. And you know, they they're already have their minds made up about getting rid of like Julius Randle. And really starting to lean into the youth and, you know, roll with the younger team next year and just see where things go. Like, I, I wonder how that changes their motivations. Like, if that makes them take Durin, and then if they're like, no, we're not going to trade Julius Randle. We want to try to compete, you know, again this year. And if there's that pressure to win, like what you mentioned, then maybe they go with the Williams pick there because he's, he would be the more ready-made product there, I guess. Like, I don't know, if you were going to project forward, like, and I, I know this is a fool's errand, so I apologize. This is like the scout's worst nightmare when you say think five years in the future. But mm-hmm. like, if you're going to think five years in the future, like, and m- maybe try to pick, you know, prime slash like ceiling ish comps for those two guys. What do you think they could potentially end up being if if all things break as best as they could? And then like, how likely do you think that is for both those guys? All right, I'll be right back in with Raphael. We're going to finish up our discussion. We'll talk about. Tari Eason some, and also some sleepers for the Knicks. Uh, a couple guys that they could potentially look at with their 42nd pick, or if they maybe execute a, a slight trade up into the late first or early second round. But I got to remind you guys, today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why would you want to endure the pointless or intimidating questioning about your car and then deal with them looking up the part on their computer, takes like five minutes and that which is honestly it takes you even less time just go to rock auto and do it then they're gonna try to sell you the most expensive brand they have then they're gonna tell you that of course it's not in the store they have to order it which is what you could literally just do at home and then you're gonna have to come back to their store to pick it up later in the week it's never a fun experience going to those auto parts stores you always want to just get your part and go and do your do your work and you never get a chance to do that and wind up having to wait and pay a lot more money that's where rockauto.com comes in Let's say you know you want to work on your car on Saturday. Just place an order earlier in the week. Then you'll get it shipped right to your door, and you won't have to worry about going to that stupid store and and dealing with all their crap. And you don't have to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts that you would at a chain store or a auto dealership. You don't definitely don't want to go to a dealership. For example, if you want to fix up the family van, you can get a Honda Odyssey fuel pump. For $353 from one of those chain stores, just $216 from rockauto.com. So, you know, save enough to get the whole seven-member family a a big dinner for the amount you save just on that one part. So go to rockauto.com right now, and you can see all the parts available for your car truck. And if you get something right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box, so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. 
Oh man, um, that's a that's a big long question. Yeah, it's, I it's, apologize. A, it's, 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 it's a tough question because um, I think Duran has a higher upside. I mean, I saw like the video of him shooting threes at his pro day, which, as somebody that has been to pro days, and I am a videographer, it's so easy for fans to get fooled by pro days. Like I remember, just I was in Chicago last week, and there was a guy that I won't mention his name. He shot horrible at the pro day. And ESPN, not they didn't say anything. They just posted a clip of the guy making like three shots in a row. But the perception is he killed it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so maybe Duran could have shot four for 50 on 10 spot threes. But if he made four in a row, you know, it looks like, oh, man, you know, he's been able to extend his range. He's going to be a three-point <laughs> shooter. So uh, I wasn't there as pro day, so I don't know how well he really shot the ball. I'm not going to judge it based off of the clips that I saw on social media. But I do think that he does have more upside as a floor spacer than Williams, uh, maybe down the line. Um, it's tough. I mean, I mean, I've seen some people try to compare him to Bam uh, Duran because he's shown some flashes of, of, you know, being able to make some good passes out of the high post and the low post. I don't know if he has Bam's ball handling. I mean, I just think that for upside, I would go Duran. I think like right now, I would go with Mark Williams. But one of the one of the things I always think about when I'm asked these questions is, and I have posed this question on Twitter, and I was like, all right, if you are a general manager of a team, and you have to be realistic, if you have one year on your contract or if you have four years on your contract, that could determine what your pick is because. Mm-hmm. If you have one year on your contract, you may take the guy that is ready right away because that particular guy can get you your contract extension, which helps your family out. You don't have to move your family. You know, you're getting millions of dollars a year. So you may think short term to keep your job. And I don't know if fans understand, like the general manager, of course, his job is the best situation for the team. But he also has to think about himself first, you know. Mm So if you're in a one year, if you have one year left on your contract, taking a guy that's maybe three years away, you may not even be around when, you know, he develops. And so there are rumors that Tibbs is on the hot seat and and all of that. So I imagine like Tibbs may probably lean towards Mark Williams. Now, as far as Mark Williams comp five years from now, maybe Clint Capella, Mm -hmm. maybe Clint Capella. Then if if he's Clint Capella and let's say Duran is Bam Adebayo, I mean, he still got two starting centers, and, yeah. and so, but even Bam, as good as Bam was, he didn't look good in in the playoffs. And so my thing about Mark Williams and even Duran that kind of scares me is no matter what, if they both reach their max potential, both guys could help you make the playoffs every year, but can they be in your closing lineup? in the second round. And that's something that teams are going to have to decide on because you, one, you, you got to try, you got to at least be in position to make the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, uh, let it, this is kind of a curveball. I, I, I told you we were mostly going to be talking about Williams and, and Duran here, but that, you know, you just brought something up and there's been another guy that's been on my mind a lot lately, as far as the Knicks are concerned, especially, I mean, if if they hit a situation where they're moving on from Mitch, but also where they've made up their minds about moving on from Randall, there's another name that keeps coming up to me that I presume will be available at their pick that I keep thinking of, and that's Tari Eason. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, he presents a situation to me where I look at him and, you know, I, I don't know where you stand on him. I see some people say they think he could play three, four hybrid. Some people think he's a four or five hybrid. Some people just kind of broadly think, well, he's kind of just a basketball player that you could play from three to five, hopefully, you know, in, in situational minutes or whatever. And, you know, so regardless of what his position is, I look at him and I think, okay, this guy looks more like a modern NBA player. And, and you want to talk about a guy that did himself some favors at the combine, like measured out really well as far as, you know, height, wingspan, hand size, all these things that people care about as far as being able to get your hands on the ball sort of thing. And, you know, it, it showed in college too. I mean, his, his steal and block numbers were insane, especially considering he came off the bench. And, I mean, he only played – 24 minutes a game and generated like three stocks per game, which yeah. is great numbers in, in that amount of time. I mean, what do you think about him as a, a potential pick there? If the Knicks are looking for a big, you know, and, and want somebody who's maybe a little more uh, modern, I guess you could say, and a guy that maybe could play some small ball five for you, but also has shown those defensive instincts to be able to, maybe he's not going to be like, you know, Mark Williams or or an idealized version of, of Duran at the rim, you know, but he'll at least be able to block some shots for you if need be. He definitely can generate steals, and he seems to have a pretty – I mean, he, he needs to work on it, obviously, but a game that projects to hopefully be able to let him shoot the three and get to the basket on the, the offensive end. I mean, to me, he seems like a, a pretty solid pick there and, and potentially – Maybe in a non-Tibbs world, again, you're talking about how much is Tibbs influencing your decision-making. He loves having a traditional center out there. But if the Knicks move on from him, as many people think they're going to at some point next year, then maybe Eason is is sort of a better solution to pair with Obi Toppin going forward, not as a full-time center or anything, but as a guy that you can situationally deploy with Toppin for like 15, 20 minutes a game. Yeah, I never thought about him playing as a five. Um but he's someone that's kind of hard to put in a box into a position. He's just a hooper. He's just a ball player. Um, he generates a lot of his offense with his defense as far as, like, getting steals, gets to the foul line. I, I like him a lot. I just haven't really thought about him as a five. And here's where that part gets tricky because as long as Embiid is in the East, you're going to need somebody that is a big body that has some type of length. So I don't know if you have Embiid. Are you? I mean, you, you got to have. It's kind of like remember back in the day, the the Thunder had to have Kendrick Perkins on the team just because they had to be prepared just in case they played Gasol and Andrew Bynum with the Lakers. So I think in in the East, you still got to prepare for Bam. You still got to prepare for Embiid. So I don't know if you can go all the way small. And then I think with Eason. If he's shooting threes, which he kind of has a low release, like I watched his pro day and there were some scouts saying like, man, he's making the shots a little bit, but I don't know how he's going to be able to get that off with, uh, you know, NBA length and especially bigs closing out on him. Um, But if he can knock down shots, then maybe as a five, then it kind of, you know, makes it so the other team's big has to come out to defend him in space. And then, I mean, he is capable of putting the ball down on the ground. Um but, I mean, based off of their roster now, I can't say it makes sense because he still have Toppin, and I think Eason's best position is as a four. And it'll be, it will be a little bit of redundancy there with, with Randall, Toppin, and Eason. Yeah, yeah. I, I 
I think an Eason pick pretty much has to be predicated on your you're moving off of Julius Randle. Like you have to do that first and then and then you make that Eason pick because I mean I, I could speaking for Knicks fans, there's already not enough minutes for Obi Toppin in a Tibbs world with Julius Randle. Uh, you know, available like Julius is already p- playing like 35 minutes guaranteed, no matter how good yeah. his defense offense or anything is he's playing 35 and Obi's already scratching and clawing just to find 15 minutes. Like it life would not be easy for Eason if Randall's still on the roster. So uh, I'm with you there. I, it even, would be quite, it would be questionable to me with Randall still on the roster for sure. Even then if Randall is gone mm-hmm. and I know he's such a divisive name in, in New York, but if he's gone, where are you generating offense from? Like, well, that that's the thing, right? You know, they're gonna have to answer that question because no matter what happens, you know, with Julius's stepbacks and inefficient or inefficiency and everything this year, with how inefficient he was, and honestly, how checked out he was at certain times, how much he kind of slowed the offense at times. Like, he generated a lot of offense for them, and on his best days, even though he wasn't shooting well, he was still generating a lot of attention. So I think. If you're betting on a post-Julius world, you're betting on RJ taking a step forward as far as being able to create his offense. Uh, And then you're also banking on, okay, what we saw for the last 15 games or so out of Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin as far as their offensive repertoires go was not a flash in the pan. And that's actually what they're going to be giving you going forward. Yeah. or at least, you know, maybe even like an 80% version of that. Cause they honestly, they balled out 10 the year. Like OB averaged like 30 points over the last five games. So, you know, maybe he's not averaging 30, but maybe he's averaging 18 for you or something. Um, and is generating opportunities by getting out in transition and stuff like that. IQ is breaking down the defense, getting guys on his hip, generating looks for others. Like that's how I think that's how you're doing it. And you're, you're trying to become less heliocentric than you were with Julius. But it's a tricky question to answer, and one that they're going to have to. I mean, if you if you take out Julius and you replace him with Tari Eason, you're not solving the problem of where does all that offense come from. Yeah, um, I mean, it's who I don't know. I mean, it. I guess it depends on if you let's say you move Julius, and let's say I'm a Blazers fan, so you move Julius for the seventh pick. You're getting another young player. But to me, that would mean you have to just go all in on rebuilding. You got to move Fournier somewhere, and then you're just hoping, okay, we get Scoot Henderson or Wimbayama the following year. Um, I mean, I think, you know, when you fully embrace a rebuild, the fans are a little bit more patient, and people love upside. So I wouldn't be mad at that move. But I think, like, if you're getting rid of Randall, I I mean, I like Obi, and I thought he played well at the end of the year. I just wonder, like, how do you generate offense in the half court? And um, is RJ ready to be the number one name on the scouting report? Yeah, and I think, again, it's it's all like how much did you buy into the late season? Like, well, RJ, at least I will say, starting, I would say even before the All-Star break, he sort of took over as like the alpha on the team, which I think was part of Julius's frustrations down the stretch. That makes sense. That he sort of had the world on a platter, you know, like at the end of last year and then comes into this year and he clearly wants to like start being recognized as, you know, an all NBA guy, which he was the year prior. And then, you know, things just kind of start going off the rails. And then at a certain point, RJ comes back from injury and he's really balling. And then all of a sudden it was pretty obvious that the team sort of made a conscious decision to make him 
the number one option most nights. And I don't think that sat well with Julius. But I do think, I mean, he needs to improve his his efficiency, but RJ did at least show that he can generate those looks. Um, and he certainly was getting a better whistle down the stretch as well, which I think was important. Like, he had to start taking that step forward as far as getting respect of, of his peers, of the referees, you know, and also selling contact a little more than he used to because he wasn't very mm-hmm. good at that. But... Yeah, it'll be an interesting question. Um, I did want to close with one last guy, and it, this is another somewhat curveball. But I'm ready Knicks... for the curveball, so I'm, I'm, all, I'm all here. I'm ready for it. May, or maybe a changeup, maybe slider. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I, um, but the Knicks do have a second-round pick this year as well. I keep forgetting about it, to be completely honest, because they kept he- having everybody else's picks but their own mm-hmm. in the second round. They actually have their own second-round pick this year, which I keep forgetting about. And a guy that could potentially be available in that general range is Christian Coloco out of Arizona. Yep. And I really like him. He, he seems to be a guy that's really benefiting from the pro day as well and, and getting that, you know, pre-draft exposure and everything. How would you feel about, you know, if, if you're the Knicks, you know, and let's say that that first pick rolls around, they don't make a, pick, a trade for another pick with the Blazers or anything. So they just have 11 and 42. They get like Johnny Davis or something and they're happy with that at 11. How would you feel then about taking a Coloco at at like you know the forty second or maybe using some of those future second round picks to trade up, get him to like pick thirty five or something? Um, what what do you think about his fit potentially? You know, as as an NBA player, I think Coloco is going to end up in the late first round. Okay, he shot the ball well at the combine. There was one drill; it was the three point star drill. And he was 16 out of 25, and he finished in the top five out of the whole combine. Then you look at his, uh, you know, just the improvements that he's made from shooting free throws. I mean, he shot 73% from the foul line. So it's like if you believe that Mark Williams potentially has some upside as a floor spacer, then you have to be more confident that Coloco is more ready to contribute there. So, you know, it, it probably wouldn't be a bad I, idea if, if they can. Let's say they do move Randall, then you, you select you know somebody else at number eleven. I'm sure that pick is going to end up being like a first round pick for Randall. I don't know if it's going to be higher, lower, whatever it is, but I think Coloco would be a really good fit for for the Knicks simply because he may have the potential to be able to be your vertical lob threat, your rim runner, your, your rim protector, but also a potential floor spacer. So I, I interviewed him at the combine, and one of the things that he mentioned to me is he wants to be the guy that can stay on the floor during the playoffs. He is well aware that you know centers are getting played off the floor, whether it's like some of the best centers in the league that they become kind of liabilities. Uh, but he understands that I want to be able to – play defense but i want to be able to stay on the floor because i'm bringing other centers out so he had mentioned to me like he feels like he has been able to shoot at arizona but they didn't really let him so that's why it was such a surprise you know he didn't make a single three-pointer last season but then he made 16 out of 25 so i think with his workouts if he can continue to just show that what he did at the combine wasn't a fluke then i think he can move up into the first round and then you look at teams like like dallas you know they are in need of a center and um you know giving luca a floor space and vertical lap vertical lap would be really beneficial the player that i think i don't know if he'll be available 
that I that also could be a value pick at 42. Again, I don't think he'll be available. Is Ishmael Kamagate mm -hmm. from France? He's someone that I had a chance to watch a couple times. He actually shares the same agent as Evan Fournier, so mm -hmm. there may be a connection there. Um, kind of a late bloomer, someone that you know just two years ago barely played on like France's under 18 U team, and then over the past couple of years, I mean, he's just especially this year, he's made big, big strides. He spent last summer working out with the French national team, which went to the gold medal game, lost to the U.S. Um, he also shares the same agent as Gobert and Victor Wimbayama. So, I mean, he's been working out with those guys. He's, he's gotten better. And I went to a game earlier this year, and I mean, I, I won't say everybody, but most people that really follow the draft know Victor Wimbayama. People have been praising him as the best NBA prospect since I've heard Anthony Davis, the best international prospects since Luka. We heard, we heard since Kareem the other day. So yeah. I mean. <laughs> so I've, and uh, uh, I actually, he, he, I live in Dallas. And so he's, um, he, he's going to be working out here in Dallas in a couple of weeks. So I'll, I'll get a chance to see him work out there. But the game that I went to, it was in November. And I, I know this is how crazy my life is. It was on my wedding day. I got married in Paris. And then <laughs> later on that day, my wife's such an awesome woman. I was like, we, we got to go to this basketball game. <laughs> so we went. So on my wedding day, we watched Kamagate and Wimbenyama play heads up. And Kamagate got the best of Wimbenyama. Outplayed them. I mean, every NBA team, I shouldn't say every NBA team, a lot of NBA teams were there. And I mean, Kamagate is physically bigger and stronger than Wimbenyama. If you've seen Wimbenyama, he's, he can hold a hoop to a Cheerio. But. <laughs> Kamagate is somebody that I'm really high on. He's your strong vertical lob threat. He has shown flashes of being a, a good passer. I watched his workout. He showed that he can knock down shots. He is someone that I think that if he went to college and the fan, you know, he went to like a blue blood school, he would be a lock to be a mid first round pick. But he hasn't really, you know, got the same buzz. So if he is available at 42, I think that could be a good pick. And then there's also guys like um, Jalen Williams. There's two Jalen Williams in this draft. The one from Arkansas, I think he can be a value pick in the second round. So there are some centers or maybe even some point guards that could be available for the Knicks with pick 42. And I know it's kind of a long-winded answer, but in my opinion, between picks 15 through like 40, not much difference. I think it's going to be an acquired taste. You know, there's somebody who maybe mocked at 38 on most people's big boards could end up going 17. There's somebody who people can see as mid first round pick that could fall. So, I mean, I don't even think the Knicks have to move up a bunch to get someone that could possibly come in to help. Yeah, well, that, that's certainly a lot of guys to uh, to chew on there. I, I appreciate the extra additions there because uh you know i i'm always looking for new guys to look up so i'm definitely gonna have to uh check out kamagate now but uh rafael I, I i think we've reached the logical end of this big man discussion here uh so thanks so much for popping on do you want to remind everybody where to find you on twitter where to find all your work and of course about the nba big board podcast and all that good stuff yeah man thanks for reaching out to me it's always uh a pleasure to talk to a Knicks fan base. It's uh, the fan base that I probably have the most love-hate relationship with because whoever I mock to the Knicks, there's somebody that's like, man, you know what? This is a great pick. But then for every one person that says that, there's three people that tell me I'm the biggest idiot in the world and they absolutely <laughs> hate 
who I have mocked to the Knicks. So I love the passion of the fan base. But yeah, you can find me at Barlow500, B-A-R-L-O-W-E-500 on Twitter. And then the NBA Big Board newsletter. Um, it's it's $7 a month or $50 a year. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I'm getting a lot of intel from different teams and, and scouts. And of course, nobody's going to tell me exactly what their team is thinking, but it's more so along the lines of, you know, what, what other teams are hearing this team may make. And then also agents. Agents actually pretty much give the best intel in a sense because they know what they've heard from other teams. They know who their guy is working out with, which means the team could be looking at this particular player. So I'm gathering a lot of intel there. So if you want some of that information, it's uh, NBABigBoard.com. And then also there's the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast, which is five days a week. Yeah, I always <laughs> always five days a week on the NBA podcast on Locked On. So if you if you ever uh, listen to Locked On Knicks and then decide you want to uh, go listen to something else right after, you can always check out the Big Board pod. Lots yeah. of great episodes. You've had a lot of really good like first-person interviews lately, too, which I've really enjoyed listening to. So Thank you. Yeah, for, for whatever reasons, those didn't do well as far as downloads. I no, think they will. Let's go change that. We'll go, we'll go, everybody should go flood those with, uh, well, with downloads after this. They will <laughs> once the guys get drafted. So yeah, I did exactly. one with um, Blake Wesley, for example. At one point, I had him mocked to the Knicks. I guarantee you, if he gets drafted by the Knicks, it's going to do well, especially on the YouTube videos. But yeah, for whatever reasons, those didn't do well. I just think once fans get a team association with a player, it will do well. I'm like, man, I spent a lot of my own money traveling to the yeah. to the different locations and and going to the workouts, but I I think it it'll pay off in the end. I think so too. Well, thanks so much, Raphael, and uh, thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back with more shows this week. We're gonna keep uh, keep working on that uh, NBA Finals comparison uh, little series that we're doing. We'll have some more draft talk. All kinds of good stuff coming up for you guys. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you all soon. Peace out.